In today's episode of the VAR Bar, we will cover AFCON 2024 Don, Ivory Coast Crown Champions, McTominay the Super Sub, Top 3 makes no mistakes in this title charge, and Spurs leave it late to snatch all three. Hey, Check complete. Let's head over to the bar. Yes, yes, yes. And we are a day late, but of course, we're back at the bar again with another episode of the VAR Bar. If you're a first time listener, my name is Andrew, aka Rapping Drew, and I'm joined by my compadres, Jay Mace, Presley, my brother, Toaster, and C Strider. How are we doing, gents? We're good, man. We're good, we're good. Active, man. Active, active. Loving, loving that, man. Obviously, yesterday was the day of hate watching, man. I mean, if your club didn't play, I think specifically for Liverpool fans, if your club didn't play, it was just a binge session from afternoon till evening. And I don't know if Strizzer, you had the same, but <laughs> I, I was ready, man. I was ready to send corn. I was ready to hate on everyone. Obviously, it started off with Arsenal day one. Then it was... Um, um, United day one as well and then obviously um, the AFCON final where Nigeria lost um, if you're into the American stuff like Toast then you would have had some early morning tears as well depending on who you support because obviously Chiefs um, collected the Super Bowl but you support the other team right um, not support but you or, or you hate the Chiefs what is it yeah no, nah, I don't fuck with the Chiefs in it man so <laughs> they're, they're the ops I wanted the 49ers to win but Hey man, Patrick Mahomes in it. He might be the the NFL goat in it, man. So gotta give him his props over Brady. I mean, pff, there's talks. I mean, obviously Brady's got like seven championships. Like Mahomes, said this is his third, but Mahomes is only 28 in it. So if he plays, he's got time. Brady did. He's got time to catch him in it, man, because he's just different. Hmm. That Harlem talk. All right. Um, but by all means, man, let's start with the Afghan tournament that reached its conclusion last night. Ivory Coast, the host nation, ended up scooping the tournament after being down and out, dead and buried. Um, Nigeria coming into the game um, unbeaten, I think, only conceding two goals and had all the foundations to actually, you know, win the, win the, win the trophy again after 11 years. So, Peter, let me go with you, man, because where, where did it all go wrong for you in this game for Nigeria? Is it fair to say that you got outplayed by Ivory Coast or... Was it an off day at a final for Nigeria? <laughs> Where do you... I, I think it's absolutely fair to say that we were outplayed by Ivory Coast. I think anyone with eyes could see that they were the the better team in, in almost every department. I think, you know, commentators were saying things like, ah, oh, you know, they got to the final and they just run out of steam. But I think tactically the way we set up was negative I don't think we looked to come into that game to win it it was almost like <laughs> as stupid as it sounds playing for a draw in a final um but yeah I, I don't think we did anything right in the game um messed messed up in in all departments really so I mean the the main battle was the one out on the left um with uh, Adingra and Aina Aina and yeah, that was uh, in capital letters of baptism. <laughs> Adingra just had Aina on skates all game. I mean, you switch it out to him and just let man get to work one on one, and just had the beating beating him of him uh, pretty much every time. And that was the main source of of, of the goals, really. So, uh, brilliant finish by um, Haller as well for the second goal to to eventually win it, and. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of 
I wasn't vexed because I feel like the story was kind of written where we didn't do enough to win the game. So yeah, I was I was at peace with it by full time, albeit frustrated with the performance. But I mean, Ivory Coast would have deserved winners. So yeah, hats off to them, man. Uh, Shalom. Obviously, on the night, Ivory Coast were the deserved winners. But do you think, like overall, Nigeria got done got done hard by? Because I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing um, Nigeria probably overall deserved to win the Africa Cup of Nations based on how obviously Ivory Coast started. You you actually beaten them in a group stage as well and finished ahead of them in the group. But then on the other hand, people are also saying that Nigeria actually. Or just say coasted their way through into the final, like obviously with one goal differences. How how do you see it? I, I don't agree with coasting. I think by and large we were the better overall com- country or team within that tournament. Um, I think from what what Press said, I one hundred percent agree with him, and I also think the fact that the run out of steam that is also true. I think both things can be true. Um, what I did find frustrating, just watching that game and also just kind of thinking about what went wrong and all is um, the coach. I think a lot of things comes down to that coach, in my opinion. Um, I saw the semifinals and I saw the quarters and the fact that he kept on playing the same man past like 60, 70 minutes. And yes, even the commentary, having said, get out of my mind, guys, they were basically saying, these guys are are tired. You're running them to the ground. And coming to that final, what clearly happened in my, from what I've seen, is just a tactic. Just, he got his tactics wrong. You could see that at one point, um, Ola, Alina, Aina, Aina. Yeah, the left, Aina, yeah. he was tired. Man was looking at the bench saying, please take me off. He was tired. <laughs> On his knees, Jana. <laughs> On his knees. He was tired. And that was even before they equalized. He was tired. So the clear thing you could have done is just put someone who's got the legs. All you need is the legs. And... Also but I think, of- I think the manager didn't... He, trust, he didn't trust... Anyone else to do the job but Aina in that at position? This point, against this Adingra. Point, I, you know, that's fair. But at this point, when you're, in your fi- when you're at the final, you have to trust that these boys know it's the final and they will give it their all. Sometimes you just have to do that. And also looking at it tactically, you can't score and, and more or less 80 minutes throughout the game, you are defending. What it does is it calls for the opposition just to attack. And that's basically what happened. You can see, um, I'm forgetting names now, um, striker, um, Nigerian striker, Osimen. Osimen was so isolated, so isolated where mm-hmm. he was, just because basically we were playing 10 man behind the ball and booting it long. So what the Ivory Coast did, which was very smart, is to put a guy in front of Osimen and someone behind him. So you, if Osimen beats the guy in front of him, he has someone behind him sweeping up. So that was Osimen taking out the game. And what do, what they do is they would just get the ball and um, what's his name? Seri. Seri just kept playmaking controller controller left and right and crossing <laughs> the ball and it doesn't take a blind mind to see that after barrage and a barrage and a barrage of attempts they will score 
especially when they have 80 minutes to do that, they will score. They're the home team. 80% or 90% of people are screaming, screaming the stadium for them. They will score. The smart thing I think he could have done, the coach could have done, is just push them up. Push them up. Push them up. Um, get the midfield. Saturate that midfield. Push them up. That's what we could have done. I'm surprised he played in in Nacho. He brought in a in, in a hatchet in a I can't even speak that that late because he's. I don't think Kelechi is a striker per, per se like a um Osimhen. He's more of like a deep line CF. What you could have done is put him in the midfield. He can control. He can pass. He alleviates the pressure. That was just. Um, I think. Deep. I think one of the. Ma- I think for me, one of the main things that worked for. Because for me, I don't think you said Nigeria was by and large the best team on the tournament. I. I don't agree with that. Not on a by and large thing. I think in terms of what Nigeria did so well, what got you this far was like defensively, you guys were solid. I think Calvin Bassi, like. <laughs> Calvin Bassi, Afghan, that's that's his lane, isn't it? Like this yeah. is this is tailor made from him. And obviously Trost Ekong over the years, me and Press, we've been we've been bantering him, but he's been he's been solid. Like he's been solid for Nigeria. I thought Ajayi was also solid as well. Ajayi, Ajayi as well. So obviously three, yeah. yeah, but obviously and then you had that of that um that that house are done. What's his name? That guy. Z- <laughs> forget about forget about that, Donny. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So obviously, so obviously, I think the way Nigeria obviously you know played was obviously mostly was counter attacking football. That's where you had that's where you had joy down the wings. And for my life, I don't know why Chukweze started in the final over Moses Simon. That was for me. That was a snooze. Yeah, Lord. I mean, also, I I think someone like I think Wobi had a poor game. Even yeah. though, yes, I agree with you that we played that while well, Jose kind of football when we defend and then hit on the counter. There was also a, a role to play in midfield, which is to control the ball and keep it ticking. I thought Iwobi had a poor game and I think we could have, a, a smarter coach should have saturated that midfield, especially when you're winning 1-0. All you had to do was just saturate that midfield and push push the play upwards. That's what, and for me, if he did that, I think that game would have, I think we would have won that game personally. And I also think them boys were tired. Mm. I honestly think that because Osimhen tired of what though? Tired of what? Just like being ran like in terms of minutes throughout the yeah, whole in tournament. Terms of just like it's it's physically tasking to take the ball and just keep running. Yeah, especially in the in that weather, the fact you're you're not you're not playing against like. Jamie and then from and then the pressure as well. Luton. You're, yeah, you're playing yeah. against guys who are same physical build as you. Oh, like that's what the heat is. Yeah, well. yeah. It's just it's you have to be fit, man, to to you, to play Afcon. That that too, but you also have to have to be smart. And I think the Nigerian coach wasn't smart. I, mm. I, I mean, also it's it's so easy to blame a coach, but so, but most at the end of the day, it's the players that you know carry out what the coach you know tells them to so i think you can also blame the players because they just took that okay we scored now let's just defend that's the worst thing to do so yeah you know what fair place to ivory coast but i'm not mad i i could sleep easy yesterday so (laughs) (laughs) my life mason hey don't believe him don't believe mace (laughs) uh toast um let me go to you because obviously um uh in terms of like um 
I wouldn't say like Nigeria came into this tournament as favourites because, you know, with your current manager, the games prior to this, and you know, you've people were calling calling for him to get sacked. You know, your your form wasn't that good. You were losing games, um, and then obviously you also had the you know benefit in hindsight, of course, um, of having the Afri- Africans' best player in Victor Osimhen, and. How do you see his role in 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 this particular in in this Nigerian team in this tournament? And because obviously opinions on that are also divide, divided. How do you see it as a as a actual Nigerian? Is that sorry, Osimhen? You mean Victor Osimhen? Yeah. No, no, Osimhen. Osimhen. Um, hey man, like I've I've always been I've always been a fan of Osimhen. I think Afcon generally isn't like a great tournament to kind of showcase how how like good like a center forward is because like I'm sure like he'll go back to his club team and like, do you know what I mean he'll, he'll start bagging like week in week out um obviously he only scored one goal in the tournament I think he's still on paper and probably on pitch our best player probably the most high profile of player this tournament but I, I mean I personally think we still would have got to the final without him as crazy as that sounds because I think if we keep it 100 you think man it you think you're getting that goal? You're getting a goal in that South Africa game without him. I mean, I mean, I mean. Don't don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, I know he only scored one goal, but if I if I lean upon what I guess some of the things that have kind of already been said in terms of Nigeria, and I was looking at the stats, obviously, like just before pod as well. Like, we were very much a team apart from the first game of the tournament where we were behind the ball a lot. We did not dominate possession in any of the other games besides mm-hmm. the opening game in Equatorial Guinea, in, in the Equatorial Guinea game. Every team we played from Angola to Cameroon to Ivory Coast in the first game, like they had more passes than us during the game. They had more possession than us during the game. But like you guys mentioned, the three centre-backs were like imperious almost throughout the whole tournament. tournament. So I feel as if like, again, and looking at the fact he only scored one goal, it wasn't really going to be won or lost by Osimhen, even though mm. I did think he played well. I felt sorry for, so sorry for him yesterday, man. And I was really, I wasn't pissed off at him or the players, if I'm honest. I was pissed off at the manager in it. And I, I definitely kind of like agree with a lot of the things that you guys have kind of already articulated. Because for me, I just felt like the manager kind of believed in his source from the previous games. And he kind of believed in kind of his, everything that had kind of happened in the previous games. Because yeah. I was so shocked at the fact that Two, 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 two or three things really. Um, like one, obviously, the 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 Adingra v Aina battle was just it was just tragic all game. And I actually like Aina, and I, I've always thought Adingra was a decent winger at Brighton. Obviously, I know he doesn't always start, but the first warning sign really, obviously, I think I believe came quite early on, or was it? It may have it may have been in the second half. I can't remember when he chopped him and then he crossed it in and then Gradle had a shot at the back post. Really should have been a goal if not for an unbelievable block from from Bassi. That was kind of like the first warning sign. And he beat him again um and at least one more occasion before the goal. So for me it's like <laughs> you see it every week. Like do you know what I mean? When Saka gets the ball to feet, there's two men on him like you 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 have to you have to suck the poison out of the player. Do you know what I mean? You have to mm-hmm. give them no life. And at no point that I feel as if the the coach said to uh, the right winger, okay, or even one of the centre backs, come and help Aina. Do you know what I mean? Because everything was coming from that wing. The second thing really was like it, <laughs> we were shocking in that first half, right? And 
the goal maybe gave him a full sense of what the game actually was. Like, the goal mouth was getting peppered. Like, do you know what I mean? Our goalkeeper did an unbelievable job to kind of keep us in that first half. And then we get the goal and he kept it exactly the same. Like, it was one of those ones where there's a difference between playing on a counter-attack and putting the balls into the channels for Osimhen to get. Every time the ball went over the top for Osimhen, it was like two on one. It was basically the two defenders versus Osimhen. So we didn't actually have any sort of outlet whatsoever. So that was... That was the second thing. And, and like the third thing really was they get the goal. Fair enough. It was coming very, from a defensive standpoint, very disappointing because he, it was, a, it, Kessie was free at the back post. It's funny because the the defender, I think it was um, Sanusi, whatever his name is. Um, he was actually on the line. He actually had to come out off the line to try and block the header because the header was so free. But in mm. turn, him coming off the line meant that there was no one basically on the far post and the keeper basically ended up pushing it in. So, Usually at 1-1, one, one, you're thinking, okay, cool. Now we actually have to take it to another gear because we're in a game. Yeah. What clear chance can you really speak of? That it was one-way trap from there, man. One, one. It was still one-way trap. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, what, like, th what, is, what has the manager done to really kind of make an adjustment to get us back in the game? Because the, the goal was inevitable, wasn't it? And I've got to give credit to Haller. He took the goal superbly. But like, even though obviously we beat South Africa and we were guessing the ting, I was low-key nervous coming into the game. I know we'd beaten um, we'd beaten Ivory Coast early on in the tournament. My concern was sometimes with football, narrative can kind of play a factor. Do you know what I mean? And I just felt as if mm -hmm. there were so many things going for Ivory Coast. The fact that they were the, I think the, they were, they almost didn't qualify from the group. They were like the, the last team basically uh, who finished third to kind of qualify. Mm -hmm. Then the fact that they sacked their manager mm -hmm. um, halfway through. They have the local caretaker kind of come in. Um, they're playing <laughs> at home. Every time I looked up, all I could see was orange around that pitch. And then obviously Hala, we obviously know his situation. So I felt as if they were Stars playing were for so much. Stars were aligning and they were playing for so much. Nigeria, meanwhile, the only thing that was coming out of the Nigeria camp was uh, the in it boys, this, that. And it was just, it felt, it felt kind of flat, like, and it reflected in the final, in it, and it's, it's it's so disappointing to lose a final. But I mean, again, it's more painful when it's a crushing defeat. Like it, bro. That that was we didn't compete, man. They dominated from start to finish at every point of the match, and they fully deserve to win. So you put you hold your hands up, and yeah, you say no complaints, in it, man. It's disappointing, but hey, that's just how the cookie crumbles, in it. And well done to Ivory Coast. Yeah, well done to Ivory Coast, man. And, you know, even looking at the 11, yeah, for both teams, man, Ivory Coast are stacked, man. Front three, obviously, Adingra, Haller, Max Grado. He's, he's been in AFCON since 08. But then their midfield, their midfield, Fofana, Seri, Kessie, that's that's an elite midfield, bro. And then the two centre-backs, Kosunu and Indika, speaks for itself, man. And Aurier, obviously, is finished. And then Conan. But, yeah, man, yeah. Probably fully deserved based on based on the on the final performance, um, but it was a great story, man. Stris, what did you make of all of this? Obviously, you're the you're the Caribbean, so you probably have looked at Afcon from a distance, <laughs> screaming about Jamaica would win the Afcon and that. But what have you what have you made what have you, what have you made of the tournament, man? I, I keep... Bro, <laughs> 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 oh, no, I, I say that tongue in cheek, obviously being a Jamaican, but no, I've enjoyed it, man. I think it was a good tournament. Obviously, I support Nigeria like naturally because one of my good mates is Nigerian, and um, I done one of those. You know, one of those um, tests that you can take where you find out your heritage. 
Oh, uh, don't tell me. 80% Nigerian. Oh, mate. Mate. <laughs> so put, 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 put full of Nigerians then. <laughs> <laughs> but now, obviously, like, I echo everything that's been said already. Like, I just think the final was, they, they didn't turn up, man. Disappointing. Obviously, credit to Ivory Coast, man. They, they were dominant from start to finish. And like what Toe said, they were lucky to go 1-0 up and maybe that gave them a false sense of security. Um, but the tournament as a whole, I've enjoyed it, man. It's had good moments. Um, obviously, the story for Ivory Coast, Halle scoring the winner was kind of written. Um, so, yeah, I think in general, man, it was a good, a good like, kind of kind of watch. Like, it's, it's kind of, I'd say the first time, man, where I've actually watched the tournament from start to finish. Like, I watched near enough every game. Yeah, um, man. And also, it, it gives you, it gives you like a different, like a, it's nice to just watch football and just see, just bare black man on the pitch. Like, I know it's <laughs> mad, but it's just, it's good to see. And I think, obviously, for myself, from my own point of view, playing like international football, obviously nowhere near that level, like the heat and the way that it zaps you of energy, like what Shalom was saying, I think that when you're watching, you don't realize yeah. um, just how hot it is. The conditions are mad. And I think having like a bigger squad and, and having a manager that trusts all their players will, will always give you a better chance when it comes to the latter stages. So maybe in the end, that's what what kind of kind of done Nigeria. But as I said earlier, man, I think it was a, it was a good good advert for football. Um, and hopefully, like now moving forward, more people will tune in and be interested in it. Yeah, for sure, man. I think yeah, you, well, well said, man. Big advert for football. Obviously, I think what the officiating has been bigged up big time as well which I think they've been used it's been used really well I think in the final I think Osimen <laughs> in the final it kind of favoured Ivory Coast a little bit because Osimen he just we yeah they, they were just giving him fouls for no reason um, I remember there was this one header he won he clearly won he dominated the guy he was much taller than the guy and he gave a free kick to Ivory Coast which I didn't yeah, understand that was crazy but, um, but overall the off officiating was was great. Um, this final was also one of the first finals in many years where there was like three goals scored as well. And yeah, big up, big up Ivory Coast, big up Nigeria as well. Most watched final in history as well. Two bit, two billion across the world. Two billion, mad, mad. So it was good, man. We can't, we can't, we can't even act. Shout Ivory Coast, man. If if you if you deep like where we've come from in terms of yeah, man. Like, the coverage of the competition, mm -hmm. I remember back in the day when I was a kid, like the the, the Eurosport the coverage, fam, it it would cut off for like two minutes. We're like, yo, yeah, yeah. what's going on here? Fam, so it's it's great to see, man. Afcon two thousand and eight was in Ghana. Yeah, the amount of games that had light off electricity just shut. Bro, we come far, man. We come far. Um, no, it's a shame, man. It's, just, it's a shame we didn't get to watch like the the legends play, like the cultures and the songs and them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a shame. Andy, do you remember? Um, I think it was Junior Gogo. I think he scored a goal. I guess Nigeria, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that celebration, you were so wham, <laughs> Junior Gogo. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace. He passed. He passed, man. Yeah, man. A couple of years ago. Yeah, man. Obviously, the same weekend, um, the Asia Cup obviously concluded as well. Qatar, also the host nation, beat Jordan 3-1. Um, all three of Qatar goals were penalties as well, <laughs> which is a bit dubious. But I, feel, I, I watched the highlights. They were all pens. They were all pens, to be honest. But uh, people were saying that during the game, man, the referee was moving mad. Um, 
But you know how it goes, man. Host nation ticks. Where was uh where was the last World Cup played? <laughs> if I speak, man. If I speak. <laughs> um all right, man. Let's get with the shits, man. Uh full set of Premier League fixtures have nearly concluded. Uh currently Crystal Palace and Chelsea are playing. What's the score? I think still no no. Uh, but let's start with the game of the week, of the game week, sorry. And we're going all the way to Birmingham. Um, Villa welcomed Man United to their home, a place where City and Arsenal left goalless and without points. But United managed to steal all three points. I swear you did this, you did the same thing against um, against Villa as well at, at OT. Yeah, we stole, yeah. <laughs> you stole it. Like... That was a late winner as well. Yeah, yeah but... Um, Obviously, this obviously was a must win for you guys, for United, in regards to having any hope for top four. And and to be fair, you got the job done. Um, what did you what did you make of the game? Um, it's, a, it's just a familiar story for the the patterns of how these games have gone uh, this season. I think I think we put this into the category of you know first twenty minutes look okay. We try to get some possession going. We try to get some control over the game. Um, we get our goal and we don't push for another and we we we're in this sort of limbo where we invite the opposition back into the back into the game and it was a similar story here against Villa um and given how freely Villa are scoring and how defensively solid they are um or have been this season <laughs> you you really have to take the opportunities to to close games out when you when they're given to you um but how we play and the way we the way we approach games always gives the opposition the the opportunity to come back into it to the point where you know we leave with nothing especially away from home so um we obviously had to show quite especially in the second half we had to show quite a lot of defensive resilience against uh the attacks that came from Villa um Leon Bay and it was a lot threatening. it was a lot it was <laughs> you know wave after wave and um Leon Bailey must have been licking his lips when he saw the substitution happen at half time uh when Victor Lindelof replaced Luke Shaw uh because yeah he was running at him at every opportunity he was given i was screaming at the tv like you need to switch dallo to left back because he's just going to keep getting put on toast mm-hmm. um but yeah i think ultimately albeit the the waves the waves that we were facing pretty much every attack we did show that defensive resilience to see the game out and obviously Mr. Super Sub, Mr. Monitor <laughs> Spirit, Mr. Spiritual Bonded, whatever with the club. McTominay saved us again with the with the late winner. Great cross from Dallo uh, from the right-hand side and yeah, he dominated uh, Matty Cash uh, for, for, with the header. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't celebrate his goals, man. And I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that's telling of 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 what I think of him, regardless of of you know how many fires he pulls us out of. I just just don't rate him as a footballer. He's your top scorer, man. He is our top scorer. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, like at, at some point, at some point, <laughs> you need to actually start showing him love. Like he's pulling you out of hella fires. Oh man, I'd, maybe it's because you man from the outside looking in, you you man just are seeing him rescuing us in these games. But as an as an actual midfielder, like this this, I will never credit this man as a footballer. I will never <laughs> like 
But uh, you know what? Yeah, I think I think it should be like a super sub, like a striker. It should be that. So just just getting on. To yeah, that. a striker, man. Just getting onto that. I think that's, I think that's a, a valid point, Drew, because yeah. he's he's got all the 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 physical makeup to actually act as that, even if it's for a short period in a game. Mm-hmm. So if it's for like like how he's been utilized or has been utilized more recently, where he comes in for that ten minutes and he is that yep. nuisance and that physical presence in the box because mm-hmm. one he can shoot and two he's good in the air. So if we're in a in a situation where we need a goal and we have to go more route one, bro, we need that target man, and you know Hoyland's flagging and is unable to carry that burden. Yeah, he's he's perfect for those situations. But the the problem that we potentially have there is ETH might see him as more and start playing him like from the start of games in midfield <laughs> where he's useless in my yeah. opinion. So it's just about how he's utilized to Drew's point. And um, I think we just need to, we need to be careful with that because if he was happy to say, yeah, 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes if we're chasing a game and I'll make something happen. If he was, if he was happy to accept that role, fine. But if not, yeah, he, he doesn't have any place in the squad for me, man. Other than that. Yeah. Mace, you're going to say something. No, no, no. You, you've, you've said what you've said, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, Mace, man. I, I, let me come. Let me come to you, because obviously, and Chris, please feel free to chime in if I'm chatting shit. But um, United obviously got most of their players back. Now, you obviously have been for like ever since ETH has been there. You've been like, you don't see how the way he, you know, his style of play. You don't see what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, this game. And with ETH talking about he wants to be this transitional team, this is the first time I've seen actually a pattern of play or like a a, a tactic, so to speak. Um, This is the first time this season. And obviously it coincides with most of his players or at least his midfield um, being back, being back there doing what they need to be doing. Press or Mace, if you've watched the game, do you agree with what I'm saying? Because this is maybe the first time I'm seeing like a semblance of what he's trying to do in larger parts of the game. Mace, before you jump in, I I I think the first half of Walls Away uh, at the Molyneux a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. maybe two three weeks ago, that was probably another sample size where I could say with all our players back because I think that was the first game, um, you know that with Leech and them, yeah, your best team, yeah, Casa, we had all of them man um, playing. So that first half where we were by far the superior team and it was shown it was shown through the scoreline and the way we were playing I think was was the second instant or the first instance that I've seen this season where there, there's been patterns I think within this game as well we looked we looked a lot better and a lot more comfortable inviting Villa onto us and playing out from the back mm-hmm. because we had players in midfield to receive the ball and turn and and the, the two centre-backs are somewhat capable of playing out from the back as well so yeah I, I do agree with that that point Drew um, but let's see what Mace has to say <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be honest I saw not a lot of the game I saw like 40% of it um, the game yesterday uh, but to be he, he's gonna have to improve sometime and <laughs> if we're seeing him play better I'm like fair, I'm, I'm like fair enough to him and that's all I have to say um, I think it makes a, it makes things easier when you have all your players back. That definitely makes things easier. Um, when you have um better and better mid midfield, it makes things easier. So, it's United clearly look on the up, 
and nah. power to them. Nah. They're getting the results, but meh. Yeah. Again, again, <laughs> so it, 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 when you're on the up, things just seem easy and better. Yeah. So, you know, fair enough to them, more power to them. But I know you made a, a little statement on the WhatsApp group regarding your um, your Cameroonian brother. I'm still, <laughs> the jury's still out on that guy still, but yeah. Oh, Onana. He was, he was good, man. He kept them in the game. The thing is, <laughs> I think I think my my annoyance with Onana, it's basically how he sold himself and how other people sold him. Like he he was sold to us like the savior, like the De Gea replacement. He's neither he's neither a savior or even a De Gea replacement. He's just an okay keeper. That's <laughs> basically Onana to me. And yeah, so if he had a good game, he's supposed to have good games. Where he stands out is when he's adding something to the to the team to elevate them, to push them. I don't see it. You don't see that yet. Or, I just yeah. Not, yeah, don't see mm -hmm. it. Um, he's um he's I guess what he what he was supposed to bring to this team. I think he hasn't done it yet because you don't have the team, you don't have the players to do it, which is the passing. You don't have the players to pass. You don't have like ball playing players yet, and most of them. Like you won't, you won't really count Maguire. Maybe Varane, but one leecher is back. Why do you not count Maguire as a? Because we had this conversation before, Shalom. But Maguire is a ball player centre back. Oh, he is by definition. Is he a? No, it, okay, cool. But could you, would you compare him with the with the defenders? That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. But that's his. That's his mo. The ball playing. Okay. But he's not. He's not. He's not like elite at it. He's that's not, not what elite. we're saying. Yes, he's not elite. But you know what? You know what you I would do, say yeah. to Onana in terms of passing? He's mm -hmm. passing is elite. Mm -hmm. I like what he does. Yeah. You can't you can't put elite and mediocre together. It's not gonna work. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically what I see. Like I'll give Onana that that props that he's very good at. But apart from that, nothing. But you know what? Well, United are on the up, more power to them. I'm not here to even bash them, man. <laughs> I I I um hey you know what yeah, what on to United for me that was it was like when if you don't if you don't kind of get a positive result from that game, top four is probably gone. They're, they're they're looking better. Obviously, I think they won three straight now. Um, Hoyland scoring well onto him because a lot of people controlled him earlier on in the year. But I just <laughs> I just still think included ten. Oh, no, myself. Ah, oh, I mean, I wouldn't have brought it up otherwise. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, jury's still out. Don't get me wrong in it because people want to act like. Um, the zero goals in 14 games was none of his own doing do you know what I mean they're acting like he didn't get no chances and then suddenly now he's getting bare chances but I mean credit credit when it's due like you know what I mean he's scoring I think it's like 5-5 five and five now and well done to him innit and um, yeah there's some potential there but I wanted to just touch on the <clears throat> the Ten Hag point because not so much like the tactical thing I think the jury's still out on that one but I just get the sense that this man is still a little bit deluded I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the. I saw, I saw, man, I saw. <laughs> deserved to win the game at Arsenal. I actually, I had a day off today in it, so I took the liberty of going to rewatch that match in it. And <laughs> at no point in that game, hey, that Garnacho offside. United deserved to win that game. Win he said deserved, man. He said he deserved. deserved. And don't, don't get me wrong. I understand the game was 1-1 and you guys set up in a certain way to catch us on their counter-attack. Rashford's first goal was on their counter. It was very well done. Garnacho's um, offside, onside goal, whatever you want to call it. You got you caught us on a counter-attack, fine. But 
at no point in that game can you actually justifiably say United deserve to win it because you basically sat the whole game and so so for me and then he even name checked Liverpool in that comment as well like saying talking like big man it's you got a nil nil draw at Anfield like do you know what I mean like why is that even coming up so <laughs> for me I just feel as if like this is just small victories like that he's trying to and it's not the first time he's done it. There's been times where United have lost games. I can't remember the exact game where it was. And he's basically just said, yeah. the result is not the result that we should have got. I'm like, brother, the, the referee blew the whistle, you lost. Like, I, don't, I don't understand some of the comments that he's making. So for me, I actually just think that... <laughs> He needs to just, you know what I mean? Like, like, bro, like the, the, the results are on paper, innit? Like you went to Villa, you got a great result against a very good team at home. Like not many, City lost there, Arsenal lost there. Do you know what I mean? It's a very great result. But I don't understand why you're bringing up like your, your name checking Arsenal, your name checking Liverpool. And I, and I, but I, it, it didn't make sense to me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like think full. By every, by every good result. Because I remember the nil-nil against, um, <laughs> the nil-nil against um, Liverpool. The, the the journalist was asking him a question and he was he was bare smug like yeah I told you so I told you so I told you <laughs> brother <laughs> like it's by it's it's by hook and crook you got that point in it but it's what it is man is is my like and do correct me if I'm wrong but like does he have like full control of the English language like, in terms of, like his the way, nah, he hasn't even got full control of the Dutch language, man. <laughs> the reason why I ask is because, like, some things like genuinely don't make sense that he says. So I'm wondering, is it like that he thinks he's saying something that means something else to him? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I, bro, Maybe. I'm yeah, some nah, of his, it's, it's, yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Like when you look at some of the things he said, and then you've looked at like certain results or whatever, but. Amen. Uh, before we move on, yeah, before press. Before we move on, sorry, before you go to press, um, can we talk about Villa and more specifically Unai Emery? Because my whole issue with him is basically what's what Villa is going through. People who talk about Unai being this great manager, I, do, I don't agree. I think his teams are built for a very big spurt and then later down the, the line, they just collapse. And this is basically Villa... This this is a great example of Unai, especially in the Prem. So I just have to say that bit. I'm not sure what you guys think about it. That's a that's a good point. But I think we need to. Yeah, go on, Toast. S sorry, man. Um, I just I, I I hear Shalom, but I just wanted to say, like for me, I felt as if that game was finally in the balance and why he took off Bailey in that moment. Because I know Prez alluded yeah. to it earlier in the game. It didn't make sense to me. And I was looking on Twitter like, later on in the day and Villa fans were ripping into him, like basically saying that the game changed when you took off, like you took off Bailey. I, I know Diaby is a similar profile player. I get that. But this this is a very important clash for a team trying to go for top four. And you've just, you've made a like for like sub, especially for probably a player who's probably play who was probably the best player on the pitch at that time. He just created the goal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. So it's an interesting point, Shalom. Bro, they lost to um, Bristol as well. It was in the FA Cup. Their current form is lose, lose, win, lose, draw, I think. And then obviously they lost to United. I, all I'm saying is I, I find it a little bit disingenuous when people try to look at use Unai's tenure at Arsenal and say, yeah, we, we let him go. Him him down, basically. Well. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense, in my opinion. It's nonsense. His football is not built to last. It's not built, in my opinion, to win championships, especially in England. 
He his football is great for tournament football. That's why he's mm. very great at that doing that. But it's not built to last. So, so I just had think, to put my two cents. They're in a false position at the moment as far uh, as where they are in the league. And it, it, honestly, it I think good. I did say that in the in the group chat when they beat us. I was like, I, I was like, just watch Villa. They're, it's a false position. The way he plays. Um, with that highlight, I think they have a. I think they have a very, very good squad, man. And I think they're they're right about in terms of squad and I investment. Think, they're right about where they need to be, man. In my I opinion, think force is harsh because yeah. they they've been brilliant. I mean, apart from the last two games at home, I think where they've lost, they've been brilliant at home this year. They they had the best home form all season. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, beat beat Arsenal, beat City back to back in the same week. Do you know what I mean? So look, look you remember when Arsenal harsh. went on that twenty win? Run when we played when he was coaching us, right? And then what yeah. happens after that? So similar, the same thing with Villa. It's you see the same. Let's see, man. Yeah, that's why that. Then, 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 bear Arsenal fans. They don't want to see their former manager win, man. They don't want to see their former. <laughs> I'm just like y'all. Y'all need to like take a, a wider view with this Unai. I don't. I'm not saying it's crap. I'm just saying this old Unai is number three in the league. Whatever. Okay, calm down. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. Let's go to Strizza real quick then. Um, let's close out United. So obviously, Striz, United now sit six points behind you guys, and I think you guys still have to visit um, Old Trafford to face them. Um, do you see them as genuine threats for the top four? Looking like they're coming into form, or uh, do you just we actually we obviously we played them recently. We drew two two at OT. Um, oh, have you already played them twice? But yep. in terms of like, okay, okay, yeah, we played them away like recently yeah okay um but listen i always said man like i feel like people are very harsh on united like i've always said when they get some their players back i know martinez has come back and got injured again um it's so difficult to play the way you want to play without the personnel i've seen that spurs of our injuries and how we've had to kind of change that we play it slightly because you've not got the same quality or even if you have the same you have the same way of playing but just not with the same quality um, I think they are contenders, man. I feel like they will be up there for the top four. Nothing more. Like, I think it will be between ourselves, Villa and United. I'm going to back us to do it. I think, obviously, with with Villa being in Europe still, um, and I just think we are better equipped than United. We've got better players than them. Um, but I definitely think they got be they got to be looked at seriously, man. Like, they've turned it around. They've won their last three on the bounce. They're playing a more expressive, expansive style of football. They're scoring goals. The front three looks good. Um, yeah, I see them as a, as a genuine top four threat for us. Um, and we'll see how it how it plays out. But I am backing us to get there, to be fair. <laughs> All right, say less. We'll discuss Spurs in a minute. Um, let's rattle through the results. Uh, so obviously Man City, they finished last week's game week on Monday night where they played Brentford away, I think. Uh, was that the Phil Foden hat- hat-trick game? I think it was, yeah. yeah. Beat... Beat Brentford 3-1, Phil Foden, Philly in this bitch. Now we got, you know, comparisons going wild between Phil Foden and Saka. We're not going to do that today, Shalom. But, you know, shout out Bukayo Saka, shout out Phil Foden. And then um, obviously they open up the game week with a 2-0 win against Everton. Two nil, uh, two goals from Erlich Braut Haaland. Um, obviously Haaland has been in this in this league for one and a half seasons but just quickly where do we rank him as like all-time strikers right now can we put can we put him there already or 
Based on yeah. what he's done, of course. He's better than the foe. He's better than, he's better than them, man, at least. He's going to hit, he's gonna hit Centurion in no time and then yeah. most strikers in the league won't be able to chat to him at that point. So Jesus Christ. Um, Fulham with a 3-1 home win. Muniz scoring two goals, the quarter... The code of a read. That Muniz guy, yeah, he was stinking up your joint ever since signing. And then Broja, Broja comes in and he's like, yo, <laughs> let me start back in. <laughs> he's funny. Um, and then obviously we had Liverpool. Um, obviously after the disappointing defeat at the Emirates, we welcomed Vincent Company's Burnley to Anfield. Anfield Road stand is now fully open and we were just shout of 60k supporters for the first time. So it's a new record for us in the Premier League. Uh but the Burnley game was anything but comfortable for us, especially in the first few minutes. Burnley actually started out as the better team. They had the better chances in the opening minutes. Uh, possibly, I think for them, what they lacked was just clinical finishing. We eventually saw out the game. Second half was much better for us in, at the moment, for, in my opinion, sorry. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I know, I don't think he's match fit, man. I think we're just trying to rush him in, trying to play him, trying to see what we can do with him. But... Something tells me that guy needs surgery on that knee, man. But he doesn't want to do it because of Euros. But yeah, it's looking it's it's looking curious down there, man. But we still created a, uh, a lot a lot more chances with Curtis Jones in the traditional right back positions. But Burnley kept dangerous, man. What do you, what do you guys make of Burnley, by the way? Like, I I really 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 like. Let me say the profile of players that they have. Yeah, I I agree, man. Um... I like Burnley as well, and I feel as if um, um, company's been true to what he believes in in terms of how they play. Mm. But like um, like Odebear, Amdouni, obviously this Fofana guy who apparently is from Chelsea, like all kind of like young, exciting, like at play. They play good attacking football in it. Only thing is, I don't know if they just have enough experience and quality at this moment in time yeah. to really. To keep them in the prem, isn't it? The- I think I think they can be a little bit more pragmatic, and this is probably companies down for. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. And to be honest, but in a way, it worked well at Anfield because I think Liverpool expected Burnley to sit back, which they didn't at all. And if I think it threw us, it threw off the whole squad, and we didn't know how to deal with them in the first opening minutes. So it, it was lucky that we scored first, to be honest, because I think if they scored first, it would have been a difficult time for us, man. Um. Yeah, Shalom, what what did you make of it? Because obviously you had a lot to say about Trent Trent coming off and us seemingly not creating enough, but that wasn't that wasn't true. Well, what did you, you mean? You think creating for you is obviously the passing and having the ball and having possession and making all of those pass. But for me, what I mean creating is when Trent has the ball and he does any action, it's it's so dangerous. You understand? When he crosses the ball, it has a purpose. And yeah. I saw that, especially the game against um, Arsenal, once Trent left, I was so relaxed. In my head, I was like, okay, we're good. And that's what I meant by create, create creativity because Trent is so dangerous as a player, when, especially the position he takes. Um, and for me, when he, when he left, well, when he got substituted in both games, I didn't think Liverpool was as dangerous as when Trent plays and, and that's very obvious but just the, the 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 types of chances he creates is higher quality when he's on than when he's off that's basically yeah i think i think that's i think that's the actual point then the the quality of chances because i think we did create a lot more when he was off like a lot yeah. more we were a lot more dangerous but 
But in terms of yeah, I get what you mean. I think I think you added a little bit more context. I do get he what you mean. He adds a little bit, yeah. like a team, like a normal. I think a a team, like an opposition without Trent in, they can most probably handle the chances created because that's just a normal football chance. It's Trent is just similar to KDB. Yeah, they yeah. find something when you're like, what the hell? How the hell did he do that? That's basically those type of players. And when they're on the pitch, you're always stressing. When they're off, you can more or less handle. Um, you know the rest of the the rest of the game. It's just they're just special players, and for me, I was very happy when Trent left when um when Arsenal played Liverpool, and when Trent left when Burnley against Burnley, I was like, okay, I don't see it. Like you guys are you have the possession, but you're not making like clear cut chances or like very high quality chances. That's basically what I was saying regarding Trent. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then Luton um, at home lost to Sheffield United, which was some somehow surprising to be honest, since their recent form. Uh, Spurs two one winners against Brighton. Strizza, step up, man! Angie's boys welcomed the Zerbies men to North London, rejuvenated with the return of Son, who started the game on the bench. Brighton took the lead via a pen. Pascal Gross slotted it in, and then, in my opinion, it was all Spurs from that point onwards. But how did you see it, Striz? Yeah, man, I managed to catch this one. Uh, I had no game, so I had a close eye. Obviously, we had a terrible time when we went away to them just before Christmas or it might have been just after. They battered us pretty off the park, man. So I wasn't too confident, um, but it was an interesting game, man. It was literally, like as you said, they they started really well. Vicario pulled off a couple of worldies. They got the penalty. And then from there, man, we kind of just kicked on. Um, it was an interesting like tactical matchup because obviously we like to play while fullbacks inverted. Um, Madders is back in. So like from a creativity standpoint, we look a lot better going forward. Um, but I feel like it was like man for man. At some points in the game, Van Heck, who's obviously the centre half, he was like their furthest player forward. And they were literally just trying to play man for man with us. And Matoma was causing problems. Welbeck was causing problems. Um, and at halftime, it was looking a bit ominous for us. I was thinking, boy, we might need to bring someone at halftime. Um, and then from then onwards, we just we just took hold of the game. Madison was dropping deep, getting into pockets. Um, we managed to get the goal, great goal from Saar, who again his return from Afcon has been it's been big for us because we've definitely missed him when he's been away. And then good player, Son, man. Um, and and yeah, Son and Ku and Brennan Johnson. To be fair, I thought Kulisevsky from the second half he was actually playing really well. He started to like was running that. Estupin and causing all types of problems and he took him off and Brennan Johnson he he frustrates me man like he's hot and cold I feel like he's not playing with that much confidence but one thing he does do very well is he gets into the box especially when crosses that are coming from the left hand side he makes a, a big effort to get onto at the back post he did it against Brentford when we when we won there and he obviously bagged the winner on Saturday which was a big goal for us especially with obviously Brighton not being an easy game um and I think it was a massive win. I think that's the third game this season where we've scored a goal in like 90 plus minutes. We did it against Sheffield United earlier in the season. Did it against, um, what's it called? The game at the weekend. And there was another game as well where we scored like late on. So it just goes to show as testament to obviously the character that the players have shown and obviously what, what Andrews instilled into them to never give up. I would like to see us play with a bit more control at times. I don't know what you're going to get from Spurs. Like there's, there's certain mm -hmm. times where we could just kind of cool off. I think it was the Everton game where we're 2-1 up with, with 10 minutes to go and we're still throwing bodies forward. 
And you mentioned earlier with Burnley, I know it's a different like team, but just being a bit more pragmatic, sometimes just controlling the tempo a bit more, not always trying to go gung-ho and get the other goal. But look, it's interesting to see us play this way after watching Jose and, and Nuno and, and, you know what I mean, Conte for the last few seasons. It's, it's refreshing, so I can't really hate it. Um, massive win, fourth in the league. Results went our way at the weekend, obviously with Villa losing. Um, so yeah, man, onwards and upwards, really. Up the bloody Spurs. Striz, just on your point about control. Up the Spurs, mate. With all, with all your boys back in midfield now, pretty much, um, who's your ideal start in midfield? That's an interesting one, man, because I think, obviously, Madison has to be in there. And then out of Saar, Basuma and Bentoncourt, like it's tough because, to be fair, since Bentoncourt's come back in, he's not been playing that well. But he would be the one that I would want in there. Um, just because he's so good on the ball and he, he's good in, in transitions as well as a ball carrier. But I just don't think you can not play with Saar at the minute. Like I think Basuma is a liability, but he moves to, he's that link between defence and attack and kind of punching balls into Madison, into the into the pockets he's good at. But he has got lapses and he and defensively, like I wouldn't say he's a traditional six. So I'd probably say Saar, Bentoncourt and Madison on that basis. But when Basuma came off the bench at the weekend, he kind of changed the game a bit. So it's tough, but I think it definitely depends on the, the opposition. I think a game where we're going to have more of the ball, maybe you'd go for a Basuma. Um, but in a game where you need a bit more stability, um, maybe go Saar. But Bentoncourt, Madison have to be in there. Um, and just Saar's like having two bodies in there because he does so much running in his his energy from from minute one to minute 90 like you can't really take that out of the midfield so but as I said it's just good to have all those options man and I think as well with Son coming back now Werner's been okay bit bit hot and cold but he's been okay Richarlison's on fire R9 don't forget that we've got options man and this is why it's exciting for me now now everyone's fit now everyone's fit and you know everyone's back from international duty we can really kick on the back end of the season obviously disappointingly out of all the cups but if we don't get top four now yeah despite the fact that start of the season that wouldn't have been a prediction of mine then it'll be disappointing for me man that heavy on you <laughs> for real <laughs> all right man um let's move on then um wolves um lost to brentford 2-0 um, Ivan Tony's return is is having a positive impact on the players. I think once Mbwemo comes back, Brentford will be a dangerous, dangerous side again. Um, Nottingham Forest lost to Newcastle United. Um, Bruno Gomara, he scored two good goals, man. Hudson Odoi on the score sheet as well. Elanga. Elanga is the definition of running to nowhere merchant, man. I, yeah. Very, very fast. You see that video of him stamping on them weight? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. Like moving mad quick. <laughs> it's like, bro, come on, man. You're a footballer, but it's what it is, man. Um, and then yeah, let's close it off with the champions elect, man. Arsenal continued their rich vein of form lately with a pamming in East London, which for me, what looked like a potential banana skin from there for them. Um, it was far from it, man. Credit to them. Both the Arsenal centre backs getting involved with a goal. Bukaya Saka with two goals, Trossard with a great goal, and Rice with two goal with a one goal and two assists. Declan Rice, man, opinions divided. Um, Mace, it's looking like the Gunas are picking up form at the right time, man. So, 
at this point of the season, what would constitute as a failure and what would constitute as success for you? Good question. Uh, depends who you ask, I would say. I'm asking uh, you, man. No, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> for me, <laughs> for me, I think a failure would be third. Um, success would be first. And second would just be, okay, it's City because I'm expecting City to win the league, if not Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And success would be, um, I'm just talking... I'm talking this, the whole season. So even Champions League, because now you're not in the FA Cup, right? So Champions League. No, we're not. So yeah, um, what about that? Champions League, I think we will go semi-final finals. I think we, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and obviously it's all kind of um, depending on the draw. Yeah. If we get a good draw for sure, I think we're definitely touching. Um, you so can shit out it, yeah. First, yeah, I mean, but first we need to focus on our, our next, uh, the, the game coming up. So just take your game out of time. But yeah, I think Arsenal are clearly a, a good team. You can see from how we play, you can see, you can see it. It's just, do we have the nerve to get ourselves to where we deserve to be? And and that's the question that's that, that, that has been hanging over Arsenal as a whole. And if we can show that nerve and like hold our nerves, we will be fine. Yeah, so because obviously it's 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 yeah it's a nerve thing at the moment now because now it seems like there's three teams, um, there's three things three teams in close proximity of each other, but this can all change come come April. Um, if I'm looking at the fixtures, let me go to toast for this one. Um, Arsenal have, for in my opinion, you have you have the hardest run. In, in my opinion, you still have a, a few difficult away games to go. Um, and in terms of like the top six, what home games have you got left? I think Newcastle, Newcastle and City. City is away. Of sorry, Villa and Villa. Sorry, yeah. And then the others, you got United at OT, and you got City at the Etihad as well. Uh, and you've already played Liverpool, so you can't be like, yo, let's let's cancel out Liverpool. So Spurs away as well. So how do you how do you see this? You know, because now it's looking a bit techie in regards to that, but how do you see Arsenal coming out of this in comparison to Liverpool and City? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough, man. I'm not going to lie. And um, I'm proud of the team in terms of where we are right now, being so close to Liverpool and City. Like we have to keep it a hundred. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm watching the Everton Man City game. And for me, I always know that a game like that is inevitable because you give a player like Erlen Haaland just one chance. Like, see the way he lashed it, bro, with his Bam, right foot. With his right foot. <laughs> that pissed me off, man. For me, City are always going to have that. And the second goal, the way KDB just played the ball into him perfectly. Liverpool, meanwhile, they have the best right winger in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, Salah is going to, he's going to leave with Sutton, whether that's at the Etihad, whether that's at OT. In the big moment, Salah's going to leave with Sutton. And then it comes to us and... I feel like Saka's coming into form at the right time, but I still maintain we don't have any world-class players in our current side. And for me, that could be the difference, isn't it? Like, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like, there's 14 games to go, number one, um, where more or less in touch and distance of Liverpool and City right now, we have the experience, the experience sorry, of what in it last season. We have to just believe we can win it. We, we we know what we're facing. We know the monster that we're facing. Like for me, I feel as if this team is set up to 
play from behind rather than lead because we didn't have the experience. We didn't, ha we didn't have the players who've won leagues and won Champions Leagues to get us over the line last year. So for us, really, it's about focusing on yourself, not putting too much pressure of being at the top and just taking taking it game by game, do you know what I mean? Like it's mm. it's, it's been a it's been a, it's been a it's been a good week for me, honestly, because we beat Nottingham Forest away. This was a team that we lost to down the stretch last season. We beat West Ham away, a team that we we drew two two when we were two 0 up to them last season. So for me, it's just about righting the wrongs of last season, isn't it? And just not putting too much pressure on every single game. I was feeling pressure around this time last season during every single game. And it's not a nice feeling, isn't it? Especially if you've not been there before. So it's really yeah, about this taking every... Yeah, man. It's really just about taking every game as it comes and just just putting your your best self out there. Because at the end of the day, like I said, we have not got that Haaland. We can rely on at the end of the game. We, we have not got that Salah we can rely on at the end of the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's got to be a team effort front to back, man. So, yeah. Chris, man, how, how do you see it? Um, obviously, in terms of this game, we did, did from now on, it will just be like, you know, whoever plays first, the pressure will be on them. If they win, then the next the next team that plays, the pressure will be on them. Um, you know, if, if I have to compare like the City, Everton and the Liverpool, Burnley game, obviously, I think Arsenal were probably the most impressive out of the three teams. But how, how do you see it from the outside looking in, man? Like, yeah, I think Toast has pretty much covered all the points that I would pretty much say. I think Arsenal are the team out of the the three out of the three teams that we're talking about in this uh, in this race. I think Arsenal will be the team that will have the question marks over their head every week, just because they haven't been there um, any more recently than the other two have. And they don't have recent history of of being able to see a title challenge right through to the end of the season. So I think, yeah, is it like even in, coming into this West Ham game, there were question marks as to what they would do going to um, West Ham's ground, and they've completely knocked them for six. No pun intended. So it's mm. I think it's going to be like that every week for them. Will they be able to? win again will they be able to win again until the point where it's like okay they're they're right here at the end of the season let's see how they how they are at the finish line and um yeah whether whether or not they have the the squad whether or not the in the reintroduction of uh champions league football will have an impact on you know the mental and physical fatigue going through that team that's to be that remains to be seen too so yeah i think it's arsenal will be the ones that you know they they will be questioned right up till the end until the point where either they bottle or they they just keep answering the critics. Do you not think? Um, I hear your points in regards to like Liverpool and City. They've you know they've they've done title races where they've at least seen it down to the end or to the last games or whatever. But do you not think also the point that Toast made or was it Shalom? I don't know. Like just being now, you know. It's the third, so you're you're looking up now. You're you're the one where the pressure is like less kind of. You're the one just you're you're looking up. You're if anyone makes a mistake, we're right there. And obviously, they're the team that's actually playing the better out of the other two. Do you not think this might be the year for Arsenal even to do it, or is it still the question of when it comes to like the games against Etihad away, Old Trafford away, um, at Spurs? Do you not? Uh, they're they're always going to be out of the three. They're always going to be the ones with the question mark, bro. For me, mm. um, I mean, just look looking at it, and I'm 
you know, taking my hateration, I'm take putting my hateration cut down, taking off my hater glasses, all of that. I think it's just based on recent history. It's always going to be Arsenal in the position that, like, even though they're third at the moment and they're within striking distance, they're always it's always going to be them. That's like, can they do it again? Game week. I mean, game week um, after game week, can they keep doing it? So, yeah, in terms of pressure. I think they feel less pressure because they've not been there recently. But mm. in terms of, you know, them being able to get themselves up to do it week in, week out, there will always be that question mark. So it's kind of like I, I, I hear both sides. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else, Arsenal guys? Um Martin Martin Odegaard. I wanna I wanna give me give me one last word on Martin Odegaard. Because obviously opinions are divided by him as well. Um, I think yesterday he was brilliant, man. He was, you know, one of your better players um, without even like trying to get a goal himself too tough, man. But where do you stand on him? Because there's people saying that he's, he's like replaceable in your, in your squad. He's, you know, you can upgrade on him even. Martin, I, 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 um, with Martin, I think, I don't think he's quote unquote replaceable right now. I think he can be Anyone is replaceable, I think, at the end of the day. Only very few we're talking the messies that are not. My only annoyance with Martin is just I just wish he, he can shoot more. That's all. And, <laughs> and I think some this season people like other teams clocked him and he just became very predictable. But I think right now he's 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 definitely on form and um it's only going to help us. So yeah, um, Martin is a great player. You can't even deny that. Um, he's just he can't be annoying sometimes without. He just needs to 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 shoot more as a ten yeah. as a playmaker. He has to shoot more. Simple, like you're the ten, you're the playmaker. Playmake, simple as that. I think he's got like thirteen goal involvements this season. Where Feb now last season he had twenty three. <laughs> big man we're not going to win the league or we're not going to get close to winning the league if you're not getting close to those goal involvements you know what I mean so at the end of the day like you're 25 years old you're you basically have the keys to the Emirates you know what I mean in the middle of the park you need to produce week in week out like like we know more and more um in like 2024 like you're judged on your output you know what I mean and his output has not been good enough this year it has not he needs to get to double figures so but yeah man I mean he's a hey, hey, man he's my cam for the the next five years isn't it man so all, all of that chat about him Jesus not not <laughs> not, not being, being replaceable I think it's cat personally in it man but you know what Arsenal fans are like though so let's see what Fabio Vieira does if he does anything because he could you're still banking on him bloody hell <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that one. <laughs> fam, I thought he was going to say ESR, you know. You see, no, 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 maybe, maybe I do. No. But the thing I like about Vieira is that Vieira actually shoots. That's the difference. He actually <laughs> shoots. Brother, that's okay, but, but he's, he's built like a little 11-year-old picnic. <laughs> so well and good shooting, but my man needs to yeah. get in the gym before anything, G. He reminds me nah, of fair. Brian Hill. He's just marks. He's not, he ain't suited for the Prem. No, nah, fair mm. enough, man. I, I'm not really holding my breath on that one, but, you know can be optimistic all right man let's head over to the bar man see stress give me a shot yeah man my shot is um for sebastian Haller. can't lie story's mad obviously coming back from cancer and most people have been affected by cancer whether it's through family or friends or whatever and i think his story to come back 
uh, and scored a winner in the final is just is is inspirational for for everybody, like not just football, but just in life in general. So, just wanted to shout out him, really. Yeah, man, I, I'm taking that shot with you as well, man. Same shout out, Halle. Press. Yeah, just a quick one for my guy Rasmus Hoyland, man. Um, obviously had a difficult start to the season starting to find his feet uh you know his teammates are starting to find him a bit more and he's he's finding the back of the net so yeah long mate continues still only 20 years old and i think there's a lot to come from him man so yeah shout out raz shout out raz man gunas any shots or y'all, y'all good yeah i got one for bukayo saka 51 goals 49 assists the age of 22 that's just big boy numbers so mm-hmm. shout out Shout mm-hmm. out Saka, man. Shout shout. Let's not even have that forward in Saka debate because they're both great. <laughs> another day, man. We'll do that another uh, time. Man. Yeah, this Ma- maybe on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shout out Bukayo, boy. Um, toast? Yeah, nah. Uh, no, no shot for me, man. I, I share that one with Saka. Um, like really, really good numbers for a 22-year-old and we're going to need him down the stretch, man, innit? So hopefully he's just coming into form at the right time. Yeah, I've got one for Trent as well. Um, uh, most assists for a defender broke the record. The record was held by Robertson, which is funny enough. But, um, you know, for Trent, it makes him even more special because of his age at 25, 58 assists. And obviously, uh, that's not even a story, but the story is just like, how many more is he going to get? You get me? So he's going to shatter that record, man. So shout out Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, thank you guys again for listening to the pod uh, this was a great pod man um, enjoyed it my name is Andrew aka Rapping Drew we are the VBP boys and we out peace <laughs> hey hi.